Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love. And we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. So we are still in the new revised common lectionary, which uses four scripture passages, an Old Testament passage, a Psalm, a New Testament passage, an epistle or a letter from Paul, and they all contain a common thread or theme. So we are focusing on Paul's letters. We were supposed to begin in 2 Timothy today with chapter 1, but each week I'm going to give you little snippets of the others because it is extremely, it's an extremely beneficial way to study Scripture. So the Old Testament passage today is from Habakkuk 1, verses 1 through 4 and 2, 1 through 4. Sometimes, with everything that's going on in the world, the violence that rages all around us with fear and uncertainty, with division and hatred, it feels like God has failed. Like, God has let us down. And I think that that's the whole message of that scripture. And I think it's super important because it's a powerful reminder that God is big enough to handle our feelings. God is big enough for us to share with him what it is that is on our hearts. And it's really important that we not hold those in, but we speak those things to God. Psalm 37 verses one through nine says, rather than giving up, we focus on doing good with an eye towards the future. We always keep an eye on moving forward rather than giving up. New Testament is Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10, and it's this really strange story where Jesus is referring to faith, and he emphasizes quality over quantity. So, that's supposed to be our focus. In faith matters, a really small amount of focused faith, the right kind of faith, is more beneficial than seeking how you increase or grow your faith. Which brings us to today's focus. That's in the last letter that Paul wrote, most likely penned from prison, as we've said several times. And based on what Paul writes, he seems very aware that his execution is imminent not being certain of exactly when that's going to happen. He uses this time to write this final letter to Timothy to exhort, him, to exhort him in his ministry to the church. Most of 2 Timothy is written directly to Timothy from Paul. And he is encouraging Timothy to be faithful, no matter the circumstances. Today kicks off our four-week study of passages from 2 Timothy, and our theme is May the Circle be unbroken? How do we pass our faith on to future generations? Or before we pass it on, how do we make sure that our faith remains intact throughout the journey of life? Let's pray. God, we ask that you open our hearts and minds to be ministered to by the words of Paul. 
We are all disciples on the journey of faith, and we all need encouragement and sound teaching. These words are just as meaningful for us today, and we are so grateful that even today you continue to pour out your mercy, your love, and your grace. Thank you, God, for your steadfast faithfulness. Thank you for your patience and your kindness. May your word provide us with blessed assurance, confidence in what we believe and trust that you indeed are able to guard that which we have entrusted to you. May the circle be unbroken. Amen. So this letter begins in the tradition of ancient letters. They start the opposite of the way that we traditionally write letters today. And even as I wrote that, I thought that's kind of a false statement because does anybody write letters today, like handwritten letters? Um, But when we do, we usually start with the person's name that we're writing to. In the ancient tradition, they started with their name, the person writing the letter, and then the recipient, and then the text of the letter. Paul refers to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And that was one of Paul's favorite sayings. He wanted people to know and to understand, hey, you know what? I didn't sign up for this thing. I didn't just decide one day, you know, I think I'm going to be an apostle. That sounds like a lot of fun, a great career choice or a, a um, a good thing to do with my life. It was completely opposite of that. Paul was passionately pursuing the abolishment of Christianity and all involved when an encounter with the risen Christ completely shifted his direction and his life purpose. Paul knew that he knew that he knew he was functioning according to to God's call on his life. God made that abundantly clear. I learned through experience that God calls people to ministry in a variety of ways At the very end of my path toward nation, they paired me with a mentor who was determined the only way that you stepped into your calling was the way that God had called him into ministry. You knew it from an early age, right out of high school. You went to college with a focus on religion, and from there you went to seminary. That's how God worked. I wish it were always that easy. What a wonderful straight path. At least that's what I thought, and that wasn't my experience. Thankfully, I believe that God allowed our paths to cross for a purpose and the reality was he was open-minded enough to change his mind later in life and connecting with him allowed me to see that every calling comes with its challenges and difficulties. Ministry is not an achievement, it's a calling and there is a ministry calling on the life of every individual. It just looks different for every individual based on the gifts and the talents that you've been given. I firmly believe, just like Paul, we can know that we know that we know as we encounter Jesus Christ. But that happens in ways as diverse as we are. This is what I was created to do. Remember, I'm not talking about profession Your calling can happen through your profession, it can happen through your family, it can happen through your friends, it can happen through chance encounters, 
any piece or part of your life. It should be difficult to separate your ministry from who you are because your calling is who you are. Created to use every moment of every day as a reflection of Jesus Christ. Our greatest purpose is to live into God's design that we bring glory and honor to his name in everything that we do with every breath that we take. And I can guarantee you, regardless of the way you step into your calling, it will involve and include some suffering. The church fails to tell you that sometimes, but it's not always going to be easy and it isn't supposed to always be easy. I personally believe that one of the biggest lies the enemy has laid on the church is that blessed means things are always well, that you're always rich and live in abundance, that you're healthy and worry-free, that you don't have any struggles in your life. If you know the story behind the song, All is Well, if you know the story behind many of the hymns written, you know that they suffered as they penned those words, but they made a decision to live in the fullness of God's life and love that overcomes all suffering. Suffering in the level to which we suffer varies, but we all suffer in life. That's why it's so important to be a part of community and not suffer alone or in silence. The enemy will attack you and you will feel like quitting and if you don't understand your calling, you're going to be tempted to throw in the towel and say, you know what, I'm done. Let me share with you from 2 Corinthians 11.23 some of the list of the sufferings and the persecution that Paul faced. I have labored hard. I've been imprisoned, experienced countless floggings, often near death. Five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked for a night and a day adrift at sea. I faced dangers from rivers, threats from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters in toil. And in hardship, through many sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked, daily under pressure, because of my anxiety for the churches, why would he continue? Because he was confident that he was called by God. What, he was, what was he called to? According to his own testimony, he was called to the promise of life. This, Paul's experience shared in 2 Corinthians, this is the promise of life? And here he is at the very end of this blessed life, sitting in a prison cell, writing to Timothy, awaiting his own martyrdom. Instead of thinking about his pending execution, his focus is on the promise of life. Life in Jesus Christ, and that is so important. Do any of you remember the last chapter, the last verse of chapter one last week where Paul was instructing those who, who are rich to do good, to be generous, to give what you have, you give the abundance of what you have away to benefit others so that you might build a foundation to step into life that really is life? Well, I believe that's counsel for here and for now 
You hear me say a lot, God wants us to live life to the full. But apparently, living life to the full doesn't look like we often picture it. For Paul, it was full of suffering and yet also full of reward. So much so that he stuck with it and continued to proclaim it even as he sat in a prison cell. Scripture also promises this isn't all there is. There is life beyond death. And the sad reality is we fear that. But we shouldn't. Not if the promises of Scripture are true. I can't give you details about exactly what will come next, but I am confident it is better. Death is nothing to fear. We all experience it sometime, one way or another. I can't speak with complete certainty about the details of what comes after death except that Scripture promises that death was conquered by Jesus Christ and that he is preparing a place for those who love him to live for all eternity. Something better follows this life. I believe that and I will not forfeit the hope of being reunited with those who have gone before me. As Paul faced the end of his life here on earth, he was excited to step into the promise in Jesus Christ. Let's look just a little closer at Paul's calling through, what, through which he gained that confidence. Timothy, my beloved child. Timothy was not Paul's biological child, but Paul did bring him up spiritually. My spiritual parents were not my biological parents. Um, they weren't the ones that taught me about Jesus and inspired my faith. I have three biological children, but I also have countless spiritual kids for whom I am very grateful. This is a passionate topic for me. I know the impact of spiritual mentorship, and I'm not talking about the impact that I've made on others. I'm talking about the impact being a spiritual mentor has had on me. It's something that every person should experience. I believe it's something every person was created to experience. Children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, they are incredibly important ministries. So is adult ministry. So is senior ministry. And what if every person in this church took it upon themselves to minister to the needs of one or two children, one or two youth, one or two college students, one or two senior citizens, somebody that is not in the same age or time of life or season of life or mindset as you are. That's what the Will You Be My Neighbor campaign is about, connecting with a college student and committing to be there for them throughout their time in Stillwater, checking on them, being there for celebrations and struggles, sitting in church together, inviting them for a home-cooked meal or out to eat after worship, someone to call if you just need someone to talk to about whatever I'm so excited about the possibilities and the potential, and I find it beyond coincidence that it falls on the day that we receive this encouragement from Scripture. But these types of connections shouldn't happen exclusively with college students. So often, it's church members that are complaining that parents just aren't doing their job these days. But are we doing ours? In speaking to the church in Corinth, Paul says, you have lots of guides, meaning counselors and teachers. 
but not many fathers. So I took you in. Paul took numerous people under his wing. I long to see you that I might be filled with joy. Maybe we are lacking some joy in our lives because we need to be a mentor in someone else's life. Maybe we need to enhance someone else's life so that we enhance our own. Invest in someone, no matter what age or stage of life you are in. College students, youth, children, no one adopted you? Then adopt a grandparent. Think you don't have time to be a mentor? Paul says, I remember you night and day in my prayers. We can all do that, right? Pray for someone and let them know, hey, I am praying for you day and night. I am lifting you up in my prayers. Paul gives us an excellent example of mentorship in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Do you know how powerful it is to speak positive encouragement into the life of another human? I see good in you. I see in you the ability to accomplish really amazing things. Paul says, I know your grandmother and your mother, and I know they had the same kind of faith that I am convinced lives in you. Reminds me of the words that Reverend Debbie Powell spoke about generational faith, just one generation of faith, in just one generation of faith, values can disappear. Maybe God's plan to keep that from happening is a church who takes that calling seriously, ensuring that the circle remains unbroken. And it requires that each and every one of us do our part. Paul tells Timothy, rekindle the faith that God has put within you. Some versions say, fan the spark, fuel the fire. Remember the context that Paul himself is in prison. This is a time of persecution of Christians. And Paul says to Timothy, you can't be on the down low. Shine bright. Draw attention. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. The power to step fully into your calling, to love even those who hate you, to the self-discipline, to do what you know it is you're called to do. And don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of sharing the good news that put me in prison. Join me in my suffering and know it's the very best decision you'll ever make. These are words shared with someone that Paul loved with all of his heart. These are words that he could share with confidence because of his experience. Apparently, the suffering Paul endured did not negate the joy of living fully into his calling. Sounds pretty contradictory, right? Not if you've experienced it. Understand you will not accomplish, accomplish it on your own power, but only by the power of God who saves us by offering us this calling. Not because of our works, not because we're worthy, not because we've earned it, but according to his purpose and grace. This man, ready to face execution, writes, Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This gospel he spent his life sharing is now the good news that provides the strength to face the very worst this world can offer. Paul has been a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, and he suffered, but he has no regrets. 
because he knows the one in whom he has placed his trust and he is sure that he is able to guard until that day all that he has entrusted him. And what has he entrusted? Everything. His whole life. Paul gave up power, prestige, wealth, the opportunity in the Roman world to live a life of poverty and suffering from Christ. And in verse 13, Paul says, Hold to the standard, standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a pretty high standard. Amen? Not sure that these are words that I could write from a prison cell. Especially when the reality is, as hard as ministry can be sometimes, I will most likely never be required to make the level of sacrifices that Paul made. I'll never face the type of persecution that Paul faced. And so I can't really say with certainty that I could endure even a fraction of what Paul endured. Ever ask the question, just how strong is my faith? Really? If faced with this circumstance or that circumstance, would my faith stand up under pressure? Most of you are familiar with the story of Corey Ten Boom. During the Holocaust, Corey's family built a false wall in their home to hide the Jews from the Nazis. Someone reported them, and they were taken into custody. They never saw their father again after that night, and Corey and her sister were sent to Ravenbrook, a concentration camp. In her biography, The Hiding Place, Corey shares this story of a conversation that took place between she and her father when she was just a little girl. Daddy, she said one day, I'm afraid that I'll never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Tell me, her father wisely responded, when you take the train for a trip from Harlem to Amsterdam, when do I give you the money for the ticket? Three weeks before? No, Daddy. You give me the money for the ticket just before I get on the train. That's right, he replied. And so it is with God's strength. Our wise Father in heaven knows when you're going to need what you need and gives you those things at just the right time. Today, you don't need the strength to be a martyr, but as soon as you are called upon for that honor facing death, for, for the honor of facing death for Jesus Christ, he will supply you the strength that you need at just the right time. You know the rest of the story. You know Corey's father's words came to pass. God gave Corey the strength that she needed at the time when it was needed. Our stories are all different, and yet God intends for each of our stories to be included in his story. We are created for inspiration and exhortation, for sacrifice and suffering. Paul's final words in today's passage, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. You have been entrusted with good treasure. Discover it. Guard it. It's not to hoard or bury or to keep to yourself. It is to share with the world. That's your calling. And you don't go about it alone. You have a helper, the Holy Spirit. May we all with confidence be able to speak Paul's words. I know in whom I have put my trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. Amen.